Amen. What a blessing to be in the house of God and what a privilege to be with God's people today. Praise God. I am thankful for this church family and I join with Brother Jay when I think about this church on a weekly basis and what it means to me and what I would do if I didn't have my church family. I told uh, some recently, I don't know what people do that don't have a church to go to. I don't mean go to, I mean a church that they're really a part of. There are a lot of people that go to church, but they're not part of the church. Amen. Don't get confused. Just because you hang out in a barn doesn't make you a horse. Just being around the church doesn't make you a Christian or a child of God. But when you get into the presence of God and you realize what God has provided for you, what a blessing. If you have your Bibles, open with me to the book of Luke chapter 15. And Brother San Miguel, if you don't mind, bring me that broom. Amen. Everybody needs one of these in their life. I know some of you don't know anything about this. You've never worked one of these, but you need to learn how to work one of them. Amen. Everybody needs one of these in their life for a lot of reasons, but I'm going to hopefully point out some this morning. Luke chapter 15, verse number 8, down through verse number 10. Either what woman, having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, doth not light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently till she find it? And when she hath found it, she calleth her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the piece which I had lost. Likewise, everybody say likewise. I say unto you that there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. Amen. I want to I want to become more heavenly today. Amen. I I would pray that God would help us that we would become more of a heavenly mindset. If you read chapter 15 or you've read your Bible, you know that there are three lost things that are referenced in this chapter. A lost sheep, a lost coin, and a lost son. Of the sheep and the coin, it closes by giving us a glimpse of heaven and what goes on in that world. Verse 7, he said, I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. And I want to hopefully pull back the curtains of another world today and help you see the benefits of that heavenly living. My subject this morning is useful but lost. Useful, but lost. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I am always interested in Scripture that pulls the curtain back to the world of heaven. Because that's where I am going. Amen. That's where I'm going. 
Some of you not planning on going there. Some of you undecided this morning. I'm interested in any scripture that shows me what transpires in, in God's house, in God's dwelling place. And the heavens are uh, His footstool, so to speak. And God inhabits that world of perfection and beauty. And in Scripture, we are given glimpses of that world from time to time. And so it is in chapter 15, we are given a glimpse into the heavens concerning the text that we've read. What goes on in heaven when certain things happen on the earth. We are given a glimpse of what excites heaven. What thrills that world of perfection. What excites the angelic host so that they stand on tiptoes looking to see what is going on down here on earth. They are interested in what is taking place in this place this morning. And in our text, we are reminded that in life, things can sometimes get lost. Whether purposely or by accident, you don't, we, we can debate the reasons and the where, whys and the wherefores, but the fact is that in life, many times things can get lost. Things that are important, things that are valuable. And our text arouses our mind that such a fuss would be made over what seemed so little. One sheep out of a hundred, one coin out of ten, and you see that there is an excitement in the glory world over what appears to be nothing really. And there is such a fuss that is made over such hunting and such cleansing and such cleaning and such searching and such diligence. There is an arousal of the interest of that glory world. And, and in our text, it declares that angels regard with high interest the search that is made for things which are lost. It rejoices over the recovery of those things. And heaven rejoices over the things that are recaptured. Heaven rejoices over things like revival. Heaven rejoices over things like repossessing. Heaven rejoices over things like reclaiming or recuperating or recapturing. Heaven rejoices over somebody who goes after that which is lost in their life. And we see that there is joy in heaven over human effort and human achievement to seek that which is lost. This is interesting to me because heaven does not rejoice when me, when I make a great fortune. 
Heaven does not rejoice when I win the lottery. Heaven does not rejoice when my stocks go out of sight. Heaven does not rejoice because I made a great move and I, in, and I, I increase my net worth and my vast wealth and re- Heaven doesn't rejoice over that. Heaven doesn't rejoice even over my successes in life. It doesn't rejoice over the fact that I won or I lost for those who dwell on streets of gold and they live within the place of jasper and you know achievement like we're talking about seems insignificant compared to their surroundings. But there is only one thing that the world of immortality rejoices over and that is when an immortal soul becomes conscious of its losses or its sins and it seeks recovery. Then the Bible said all of the angels of the highest rejoice when one has lost something in their life and they go after that which was lost until they find it, heaven rejoices over such an event and such an occurrence. They do not rejoice when you make a great fortune, but when you make it through great trial. Heaven does not rejoice when you have great success, but when you get up from your failures, when you repent, when you recover, when you recall, when you regain, when you revive, that is what gets heaven's interest. And God shows us a rejoicing that goes on over the heart of those that get up. Amen. Heaven rejoices over that one that not only gets up but gets back. Amen. Heaven rejoices not over the one that gets up and gets back, but it rejoices over that one that comes back. It rejoices that one who has tried but failed gets up and tries again. Heaven rejoices when one tries, when all has been lost, but he tries anyway. That's what heaven rejoices over this morning. And in particular... Our text details a woman, a woman who has lost a coin. The Bible said that she spared no pains in going after that lost coin once it was realized to have been lost. She lit a candle and she got out her broom and the Bible said she started sweeping her house. And I like I like the definitiveness of Scripture. I, I, I don't like generalities. I, I don't like when it just says, well, he tried. I like it when it describes how he tried. It says that she got her broom out and she began to sweep her house. She swept every room in that house. And evidently, it didn't come up on the first effort because the Bible said that she swept it until she found it. Until she found it. 
that meant she had to go back into the same room and sweep out the same corners again and move that same piece of furniture one more time and pick up if there was a rug on the floor, pick it up again. It wasn't easy. She didn't come by by her first inspection. There are some things that don't come back to us without effort. And there are some things that can be lost But we can find them if we become passionate enough about our efforts. Amen. And somebody said amen. And so she got her broom and she started sweeping. And she swept. I can only imagine what kind of dust bomb bowl she must have created. I I can only imagine what all it produced uh, in, in... in in the sweeping, but in the end result, she found her coin. And that's really all that matters, is she got her coin back. Now, her coin was lost. A coin was useful, but if it was lost, it was useless. And there are a lot of things that God has given to all of us that are useful and needful and essential in life. But if they by chance or by circumstance or whatever become lost to us, they are useless. It doesn't matter how much we know about them or how much we understand them. If we have lost them, they are useless. This coin could have made her life better. It could have made her life easier. It could have made her life happier. It could have made her life more peaceful. It could have made her life more fulfilling. But because it was lost, it was useless. It was of no value whatsoever. And so it is in life that things do sometimes get lost. Direction. People lose direction sometimes. Sometimes people lose their purpose in life. They forget what it is that they're living for and why they're here. There are are people that sometimes actually lose life itself. They they lose the thrill of living. They lose the excitement of getting up in the morning. They hate the sunrise and they curse the sunset because life has been lost to them and they are just miserable people. You ever been around anybody like that? It didn't matter if it rained or sunshine. They were going to find something wrong with it. It could be dry as a desert and God send a rain and they complain that the raindrops were too big. Uh, it could be it, it could have been a wet season in their life and the ditches filled and, cro- and, and fro- frogs croaking everywhere. But because of some loss in their life, they, they find a reason to complain about the humidity or the mosquitoes or something else. They've lost life, the joy, the happiness. There are people that lose their dreams. They, they lose whatever it is that keeps them reaching and hoping and, and desiring. We do not always manage life well, folks. Did you hear me? We do not always manage life well. God 
gives to everyone individually certain gifts and talents. All of us have been given certain gifts. Not just the Holy Ghost, but many other things along with the Holy Ghost to help make our life complete. And sometimes we just do not manage life very well. And in the process of living and going and doing and being, we can lose things. Things can be lost out of sight. And when they're lost out of sight, they can be lost also out of mind. And we can live long, a, a long time without some things in our life. We can. I, I've seen it proven over and over again. I, I have seen people that have lost joy in their life and they have lived a long, long time without joy. Now they made life miserable for everybody else, but they just kept on living. You just wish they would die and, and put everybody out of their misery. But they wouldn't. You can live a long time without something in your life. You can live a long time without the essentials, the necessary. You see, the coin that this woman lost was was part of her economy. It was part of the commerce of her life. It was part of her livelihood. It was part of who she was. It was part of how she functioned and how she got along. It was how she survived, how she made it through the lean time or the good time. It was what she used to further her life and benefit her life. And she had lost one of those. She had misplaced it, dropped it. It had fallen off the table. She had carelessly bumped it and, and, and been careless in the handling. I don't know how it happened. I just know that she lost a coin. I wonder this morning, is there anybody in this place this morning that ever feels like something is missing in your life but you can't put your finger on it? Anybody here this morning ever feel like when you add stuff up, it just doesn't all add up? You know that you're not doing things that are wrong and you know that you're not being unfaithful and you know that and you go down that list of things that you know and and yet when you look at yourself or when you look in the mirror the the the, the smile's not there the joy's not there the peace is not there the happiness is not there the smile that what used to be so easy is so hard and and where, where, where there were smile wrinkles, now there are frown wrinkles that have taken over and you've lost something and you can't put your finger up. I've had people tell me, Brother Yus, I am so unhappy. And I say, why? And they say, I, I don't know why I can't put my finger on it. The coin represented the necessary things that were needed to transact life. They were part of her livelihood, her daily living. We call them essential things. Listen to me. Essential things. Things that you cannot get along without. And she lost one of them. And the Bible said that there were ten total, but she had lost one of them. Now it's interesting to me that in Scripture there are nine fruit of the Spirit. There are nine gifts of the Spirit. But I want to focus on the nine fruit of the Spirit for just a moment. Because that is part of what God gives us when we become a child of God and we are born again 
of the water and the Spirit. When we receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, the Spirit that comes into our life also brings with it these added benefits. Peace, joy, love, long-suffering, and so forth. And God gives those to us because those are necessary to enable us to live a better life. They are given to us so that they will enhance our life and make our life more encouraging and more enjoyable. God gives us those added blessings. He produces fruit in our life. As a result of us being born of the Spirit, there are fruit that are born in our life. And those fruit are essential for the nourishment of our life. They are essential for us to become all that God designed us to be. And so for just a moment, I want to—I I just want to throw this out for your consideration. Could it be that maybe we're talking about those nine fruit of the Spirit? Could it be that these ten coins, and you say, well, Brother Hughes, there's only nine fruit and there's ten coins. I'll get to that one because there's a, there's a tenth fruit that comes as part of the Holy Ghost, but I'll get to that in a minute, all right? But let's talk about those nine gifts. Everybody say love. You can find it in the book of Galatians, chapter 5, about verse 22. He talks about the, the fruit of the Spirit is love. Now, the word love there is the word agape. And it has to do not with just our relationship to God, but more so our relationship to others and to ourselves. And it is the opposite of enmity. It is the opposite of friction. As a matter of fact, the love that is represented here is the deliberate effort we make to seek the highest good of another. It is the love that no matter what, what another person does to us, we still only seek their highest good. And you look at that and you wonder, why do I need love in my life? Why is that so essential that I learn how to have a, a, an affection for others that is not based upon their performance, but just based upon their simple humanity that they are a creation from God. The reason that you need that and you don't need to lose your love is because it is love that keeps you from bitterness. It is love that keeps you from being hateful and spiteful. And when people lose that fruit of love out of their life, now some of you thought, Brother Hughes, I don't even know what you're preaching about this morning. You're not preaching about me. Oh yeah, I'm preaching to every eyeball in this building. I'm preaching to every tongue, every ear, every mouth, every body, every hand, every foot in this place. Because every one of us at some point in our life and some of us right now have lost some of one or maybe more of those things that God said are essential to me to make it in the, in the economy of the Spirit. I need 
believe these things. And he said, the reason that I give you love is to keep you from bitterness. It's to keep you from being mean and hateful, being vindictive. Anybody today, let me go back. Has, is there anybody in this building this morning that's wrestling with bitterness? Maybe you need to get your hand on a broom and start sweeping and find what it is that you've lost that has allowed bitterness to take its place. Maybe you need to go back and do a little bit more diligent looking and searching through your heart and recapture because that's what heaven rejoices over is me reclaiming those things that I've lost. It rejoices over the fact that I realize something's missing in my life and I'm not the person that I ought to be and I'm not what God designed me to be and I don't know what to do. I'll tell you what to do. Go get a broom and start sweeping until you find it because love will keep you from bitterness. He said joy. The word joy is something that is independent of outward circumstances. It is happiness that is within the heart. It is not based on who you are, but who he is and what he has promised. And that joy that God gives to us will save us from cynicism. The joy that God has put in us is what keeps us from depression. It's what keeps us from being fearful. The joy of the Lord is my what? Is my strength. When there was no joy, there was great fear. When there was no joy, there was great depression. When there was no joy, there was great cynicism. Could it be that in our life, some of us that have been battling with that critical, cynical, narrow-eyed. I can't get them close enough together, but I wish I could. And everything that goes on in life has to go by those that one eye, that narrow eye. And everything is jaundiced by that one thing. Could it be that it's there because you lost your joy? He said, not only will you have love and joy, but you're going to have peace. Everybody say peace. Peace. Peace is tranquility of mind that is a result of a right relationship with God and others. It means to be reconciled, to sit down in the heart, to not be in a fuss all the time. Are you listening to me? Some of you are already planning your meal after I get through here. Well, if you keep planning, I'm going to keep preaching. Peace. Peace is the ability to sit down in life and not be in a hurry and not be in a fuss over every little thing. And you know what peace saves you from? It saves you from worry. It saves you from anger. And it saves you from restlessness. You know what? Some of the most unhappy people I have ever met in the world are spirit-filled people. 
And that's always been a, a perplexing thing to me. God, if your spirit is supposed to be peaceful and your spirit is supposed to be all that you say it is in Scripture, then why in the world are some people so stinking miserable and they wind up making life miserable for everybody else that's around them? And the Word showed me this morning, it's because they lost their peace. They lost that settled feeling. They lost that ability to be reconciled. He said, not only will you have joy and peace, but there will be long-suffering. Everybody say long-suffering. Long-suffering, the word means patience, endurance, forbearance. It means that in a hostile environment that you show yourself to be a Christian. Let me re-say that. That in a hostile environment, when somebody else is shooting off their mouth, you keep yours. Yeah, that's what long-suffering is. It is enduring troubles. It is the power to bear with irritating people without becoming an irritating person yourself. Some of you don't want to hear what I'm saying. You'd rather live with a lost coin in your life. You'd rather go through life thinking nine's better than ten or nine's better than eight and nine's better than seven. Nine, nine, I've got nine. You know what? I want it all. I, I don't want my life to be, I, I don't want it to be built upon some crusty foundation that will fall apart when the real pressure comes. I want everything God has promised me because I'm going to need all of it to get through the vicissitudes of life and I'm going to need it to get through all the troubles and trials that come through this life. Long suffering. It keeps us from revenge. Long-suffering is what keeps you from unforgiveness. Long-suffering is what keeps you from temper tantrums. Woo! Yeah, some of you need to get your hand on a broom. And you need to start sweeping. Because you've been giving too many people a piece of your mind. If you keep doing that, you're not even going to have enough to make it through the rest of your life. Yeah. Well, I have a word for you. Well, I do too. You need to go find some long suffering. You need to go back and remember who it is that you are and who it is that you're dealing with. He said not only will you have long suffering, but there will be gentleness. The word gentleness means kindness. It is showing itself in active service. It is the spirit of giving. And it is gentleness that will keep you from frustration. Anybody dealing with frustration around here? Oh, I know you're too, you're too spiritual to admit that. But anybody here dealing with frustration? Maybe, maybe you have lost that sweet coin of gentleness. He said not only is there gentleness, but goodness will be added to your life. You're going to have goodness. Everybody say goodness. Goodness is sweetness. It's courteousness. It's sympathy. It's considerateness. And it will keep you from being grouchy. And mean-spirited. Some of you need to get the broom out this morning. Where is that? 
I know I used to have it. I know I used to know what that was like. I, I know I used to be a lot more easy to get along with. I, I know when we first got married, she looked a whole lot prettier than she did, does now. I, I know when I first got to know you, I liked you better than I like you now. Go find that goodness because it'll keep you from grouchiness. It'll keep you from grouchiness. He said, not only will you have goodness, but there will be faith. Now, this is not the faith that we exercise toward God, but faithfulness, fidelity, doing it unto the Lord, honesty, reliability, remembering who we are. It'll keep us from fainting. It'll keep us from fainting. It'll keep us from growing weary in well-doing. It'll keep us from getting tired of walking by faith. Amen. Faith. Everybody needs to hold on to their faith. Meekness. I'm hurrying. Meekness. The word meekness is submission of spirit. means humility. Keeps us remembering who we are. That we are all flesh. Everybody say all flesh. All flesh. Everybody. 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 All of us. We're all flesh. I don't care if you just got through talking in three different tongues in the Holy Ghost just a few minutes ago and you feel like you've been elevated to the third heaven. You are still flesh and we are all flesh. And meekness is what helps keep us grounded. It's what helps remind us that we are all earthen vessels, that we are all cracked pots. That's what the literal Greek means, that we are all frail faulty, that we all have flaws, that we all have blind spots. I remember sitting in an optometrist's office just a few months ago after I had a cut on my eye and I said something about a blind spot. She said, oh, Mark, everybody has a blind spot. She said, as a matter of fact, your optic nerve itself is a blind spot. And you thought you were somebody. Everybody has a blind spot. Your blind spot may not be my blind spot. And that's what gets all of us in trouble because we can see the other person's blind spot, but we never can see our own. And meekness is what keeps us grounded. It's what reminds us that there go I, but by the grace of God, it will keep you. Listen to me. I'm going to tell you what meekness will keep you from. It'll keep you from resentment. Anybody wrestling with resentment this morning? Anybody wrestling with resentment? Maybe you've lost that meekness. It helps keep your life balanced. Temperance. Temperance is self-control. Restraint. Being able to tell yourself no when it comes to getting back. Temperance is knowing that you could say it, but you don't say it. Anybody lost that control this morning? Oh, yeah.
I need to get that one back. There's a lot of things in life that I could say that I just don't need to say. There's a lot of things that as a husband or as a wife you could say. You just don't need to say them. They may be true. They may be right. But they're better off not said. Temperance will save you. It will save you. It will save you from your own personal failures. And it will save you also from your judgmentalism. Amen. Nine fruit, nine coins, and then the tenth. The tenth coin is not mentioned as fruit of the Spirit, but it is evident from Genesis to Revelation. It is a gift that God has given only to mankind. Not angels, not animals, not fish, clouds, all of that. None of them have this one gift. And that is the gift to dream. To dream. To envision a better future. A hope of something better. I may not be what I need to be right now, but by the grace of God and the help of God, if I keep, if I keep looking, if I keep working, if I keep reaching, God's going to help bring that to pass. And there are people in this building that have lost their dream. You've lost your look to the future. You've lost your ability to see beyond your present circumstance. You've lost your ability to see beyond what you're enmeshed in right now. You're just engulfed in a battle and that's all you can see. Everywhere about you is just trouble and turmoil and strife. And you've lost your ability to dream. And dreaming is important because dreaming will save you from despair. And dreaming will save you from giving up. And dreaming will save you from quitting. Everybody needs a dream. And the Bible said that one of those was lost. I don't know which one. Only you know. Maybe in our life, <laughs> maybe all ten of them are lost. I don't know. I hope we're not that bad. But you know, maybe we got more than one of those coins lost. But what do I do? I have to do what the woman did. I have to go get a broom, I have to light a candle, and I have to get diligent about finding that which I've lost. Because that which I've lost is essential to my life. It's what will help make my life better. It's what will make my life sweeter. It's what will make me happier. It's what will make me easier to get along with. It's what will balance my moods out. Oh, revolutionary thought. It'll balance my moods out. You see, you, you don't have to take, and I'm not saying that you don't 
need to, but you don't have to take medication to balance your moods if you just go back and get in the book and rediscover what the gifts that God gave to you are and make sure they're all active and working in your life. It will help take care of some moods. Now, I know there's some changes that come in a person's life and they go through physiological and emotional changes and so there, and, and so you have, but the truth is the majority of moodiness among people is based not in a physiological change but in a loss they've lost a coin from their life you need to go find it because it's yours somebody say it's mine God gave it to me he wanted my life to be better he wanted me to smile more he wanted me to be easier to get along with he knew my temperament. He knew I was bullheaded. He knew I had a short fuse. But he gave me his spirit to help regulate that. And he said, I'm, what I'm going to give you is something that's powerful enough that it can help to bring that into check so that you can become more like me. God knew all that when he gave me the Holy Ghost and he gave that to me so I could become a better person, a better man, a better woman, a better husband, a better wife. God gave me those things so I could know what a better future is. And so she went for it. She found it. She found it because it was hers. You need to go for it because it's worth finding. Believe me, it's worth finding. Somebody next to you might ought to say amen to that. It's worth finding. It'd be worth you getting that back in your life. Because it would, it would enhance so much your life would blossom and bloom and things you'd get up in the morning and think, my, this is the day the Lord hath made. Not, oh God, why another morning? Hey, it, it, it would keep you from going home at night and going in and getting on that computer and getting on Facebook and the next thing you know you said something you shouldn't have said or you put something out there it'll help you instead of going there go to the book or go to your knees and, and talk to the Lord a little while and then get up and go say something then go up and do it'll help regulate your life so that people around you can enjoy the gift that God has given us Useful, but lost. Necessary, essential, but lost. No matter how useful, how essential they are, if it's lost, it's nothing. After the Columbia disaster, come on, Brother Joey, former astronaut Buzz Aldrin made a statement that to me was for the ages. It was one of the most profound things that was said about the whole incident. And this is what he said. He said the greatest tragedy of the Columbia disaster would be not to fly again. Think about that. The greatest disaster of the Columbia tragedy would be to pull your wings in and say, I'm just not capable. 
I can't do this. I can't be that kind of person, Brother Hughes. I've tried. That's the greatest tragedy. Because when you do, that spirit belies the Word of God. Because this book tells me all I can be and all He created me to be. And this book tells me what He gave me to help me to become that. And if I never try to fly again, if I don't get the broom out, if I don't get honest with myself and say, you know what, I, I am missing, I, I'm missing that joy. I'm missing peace. I'm, I'm, I'm missing the gentleness. I'm missing the kindness. I'm, I'm missing the meekness. I'm missing the long-suffering. If I don't go find that, then my life, is going to be far less than what God designed and what He wanted it to be. So the greatest tragedy this morning is not that we might have lost something or that we might be struggling with frustration or resentment or anger or bitterness or strife or all those other things. That's not the great tragedy. The great tragedy is there's a coin that we can find that if we'll go look for it, It'll bring that back to our life. It'll bring that joy. It'll bring that smile back. It'll bring that ease of character. You know what? Some of you need to just come up here this morning and as an act of faith, just touch this broom as a sign. God, I'm going to take my broom up and start looking again. Uh, now, if you don't want to do that, that's all right. You don't have to do that. But if you're, if you're wrestling with any of the things that I mentioned this morning, if you're wrestling with, and that doesn't mean you're backslid, it doesn't mean we're bad people, it doesn't mean that we're going to hell. It just means that you're interested in the things that heaven's interested in, and that's recovery. I want to get it back. I want to be the kind of person God said I could be. I, I want to be the kind of father, the kind of person that God said I could be. And so I want to put my hand to that broom. And I, I want to keep it there. I want to keep it there until I find what I'm looking for. I want you to stand with me right now. Turn the lights down if they would. I want you to just humble your heart before the Lord right now. Amen. I preached a little bit longer than I normally do. Some of you, you're weary with waiting. But if you'll just be patient for just a few more minutes, I'm going to let you go home. Praise God. Anything missing this morning? Is there anything missing this morning? Is there anything that's not there that you know ought to be there? Anything there that you'd like to get your hands back on? Why don't you just slip out right now? Say, God, I want to thank you for what you've given to me. I want to thank you for every promise. I want to thank you for every word. I want to thank you for every, everything, God, everything, everything. God, I want it all. I don't want to be partly there, almost there, close. I don't want to be satisfied with little. I don't want to be satisfied with almost enough. I don't want to be satisfied, God, with just a part or a portion. I want all of it. 
I want all of the fruit of the Spirit operating in my life. I want, I want that tenth gift, that tenth fruit. I, I want to be able to dream. I want to, I want to be able to see beyond my present circumstances. I want to be able to see a better day. I want to be able to see brighter skies. I want to see the blessings of God. I may be mired tonight or this morning. I may be mired in a, in a pit. But I'm coming out. God, I'm coming out. God, I may have lost. But I'm going, I'm going after it. I'm going after it. Oh, today, God, let, let your hand be upon this place. God, let your hand be upon your people. I want it back, God. I want it back. I want it back.